As we come now before the Holy Word of God, if you'd like to read with me, we'll be in 1 John chapter 2. This is not the Gospel of John, it's the first letter of John. 1 John chapter 2. But before we read, would you please pray with me? Lord, we know that the unfolding of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So, Lord, by your spirit, would you now unfold your word to us? Would you remove any hesitancy or blindness in us so that we would see your word? Help us to believe, to trust, to walk in, and to love these things. By your Holy Spirit, would you guide us now? In Jesus' name, amen. This is 1 John in chapter 2. We have a good number of verses to take up this morning, although we won't dive fully into them all. Uh, But we'll read beginning in verse uh, 3. So 1 John chapter 2 beginning in verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This is the word of God. Now, today we're going to draw out and take a look at a particular theme that we find in John's writing, which is the theme of light. That's what we're taking up today, the theme of light. We know that John is just one of many writers uh, throughout the Bible um, that talk about light. That theme stretches from end to end of the Scripture. Some of the very first and last words in the Bible are about light. So you may already know this, but Genesis begins uh, with the earth as this waste and wild. Uh, 
There's a, there's a chaos of darkness over the face of the deep until God speaks, you know the words, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. That's the way the Bible opens, and it closes in a similar sort of way. So toward the, toward the end of the book of the Revelation... Uh, we have this new heavens and new earth, the renewed creation after the final judgment, and there's this, this new city of Jerusalem that we're told has no need for sun or moon. Not that there's no sun or moon there. There's no need for sun or moon in the new Jerusalem because the glory of God gives light. And by his light, the nations walk. So in both of these bookends of the Bible, we're looking at literal light, like sunlight, things that we can see. And throughout the Bible, there are many times that, that God in his glory shines with a sort of visible light. So in the, the plagues of Egypt, you know, the ten famous plagues, the ninth of those plagues was that Egypt was set into utter darkness for three days, and yet Goshen, where the people of God were, had Light. Then in the Exodus, when they go through the wilderness, the Lord leads his people by a pillar of fire by night, a visible light that they could see. We see it into the New Testament when Jesus is what we call transfigured, when he's standing with Moses and Elijah and Peter, James, and John, and he appears very suddenly with clothes white as light, and his face shines like the sun for a short period of time. Uh, after, after he's resurrected, dead in the tomb, and comes back, one of the first things that the women and the guards see is that Jesus shines to them bright as lightning, we're told. And then the Apostle Paul, before he's converted, uh, when he's still killing Christians, and Jesus appears to him and speaks to him suddenly on the road to Damascus. There's, there's a light from the heavens that is so bright that Paul is blinded by it for three days. These are all occasions in the Bible of literal, visible light of God. But in the Bible, the light of God isn't always referring to something literal. It's often an image a metaphor of some greater reality. So, for example, every time we read the scriptures together, whether it's here in worship or in Bible studies or other things, when we read the scripture together, we pray what we call a prayer of illumination. It's even printed that way in your worship guide, so we won't forget it. The prayer of illumination today came from a piece out of, out of uh, Psalm 119. The unfolding of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. We're asking God to give us light, and we know what we mean by this, right? We, we do, no one thinks that, that we open the Bible and that something in it is literally glowing, you know, as if, if we were to go camping the, and forget the flashlight, be fine. Be like, oh, I brought my Bible. You know, I could shine it around and look. Nobody thinks that. That's silly. We know that the light in that context is a metaphor, that the Word of God helps us to see. And not only to see, but to understand the world that we're in and the God that we serve. 
light is what God uses to enlighten the eyes of the heart. And light is that sort of metaphor is throughout all the scriptures too. So the Bible, the word of God, is called a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God the Father is called the light of Israel and the father of lights. Christ the Son is called the light of men and the light of the world. Christians, people who are in Jesus, are called sons of light in the Bible. We're also called the light of the world. And even Satan, the prince of darkness himself, who sometimes goes in some context by the title Lucifer, which means the shining one, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He's a sort of pseudo-light, a fake light, a, a black light, we might be able to say. Over and over, light is a frequent symbol in the Bible of, of that which is honorable and wise and true and good. So when John, earlier in his letter, just a, a few verses prior to this, just simply says, God is light... By that, he means that God is the epitome of everything that is honorable and wise and true and good. And in God, there is no darkness at all. Now, that said, we've prayed, asked God to illuminate us here that God would shine his light upon us as we come before his word so that we can see and we trust that he will do that as we look at his word. So, in the rest of our time, let's look here at the ways in which John, the writer, speaks about light in relation to darkness. We're given just a few very simple points of light. We'll take up three that we'll look at together. The first of these points is this, that light dispels darkness. Light dispels darkness. That idea is at the end of verse 8. Because the darkness is passing away, Verse 8, the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. We'll take a step back from this for a moment. I'm, I have to acknowledge that I'm, in some ways, light is beyond me in a literal sense. I'm no expert in physics or optics. Some of you probably know more about the technical aspects of light than I know. But just from some basic observation, we can see that with vis visible light, there seem to be grades of light. You know, even with our, with our light switch in this room, you can, there's a dimmer switch that we can turn up to brighter or, or dimmer. And so we often seem to exist in a space sort of between light and dark. You know, there's, there's dawn and there's dusk. There's sunrise, there's sunset. And there's, there's very few times in our lives when we ever experience total light or total dark, even at night. We still have light of the stars. And even in the, the noonday, there's still darkness of shadows in places. There's a lot about this light that I don't understand, and that's fine, because John is not talking about literal light here. He's depicting light, we know, as a symbol, a metaphor of light and dark. And the way John uses this is that light and dark are not coexisting in the same space. 
They're not shades that intermingle with each other. The way in which John uses light and dark is as polar opposites, in which one pushes out the other. So we are either in darkness or in light, but not both. So the one then, if they are pushing against each other, the one that prevails, the one that overcomes, the one that wins the day isn't the dark, it's the light. And that is happening right now. This is not something that we're waiting for until God makes all things new in the last day. This is not something we're waiting for until Christ comes in all of his power and glory, though we very much long for that. We're not waiting for this to happen until the right person gets elected into political office even. The true light is already shining and the darkness is passing away. Now let me ask you, Do you believe that? Do you really believe that the light is shining in such a way that it's causing the darkness to pass away? Because it's easy to look at our world, our culture, and see lots of shadows of deep darkness. None of this is news to us. We can look at any patch of earth. We'll we'll find things like corporate greed that's driving many people to the brink of poverty. Things like growing senses of entitlement without responsibility. Things I have right to. In every corner of our culture, we have pornography available at the touch of a button. We have countless deaths of children in the womb. We have widespread confusion and violence over things like gender and sexuality, all while we're spending hours upon hours mindlessly scrolling through content. We don't even have to look outside of the church walls to find darkness. Darkness is in the church, too. We see things like money that's given to particular things but gets funneled into lavish lifestyles of the church leaders. There are terrible, awful abuses that happen in churches with big cover-ups that leave many people scarred and scared. There are places where the preachers are more like tyrants and tricksters instead of servants and shepherds, and where scandals seem to be coming out in the church every month, every month, as more revealed lies come to light. It's maddening to watch. And there is so much about this life that we should want to change. 
that we should work to change, that we should pray for change. It is not hard for us to see what the Bible calls this present darkness and to see it and be disturbed by it. But, listen to me now. If we look at the darkness and we allow ourselves to enter into things like despair, where I'm just going to deadbolt my door and wallow in the gloom, or enter into fury, when I am whipped up into some frenzied, torch-bearing boycott or tirades that are happening online, or if I'm entering into being consumed, where I just talk on loop compulsively about how this country's going to hell in a handbasket. Those sort of responses are not a product of light. Those things come from the dark. Fixations on the dark never come from Jesus. If you find yourself looking at dark things and then becoming despairing or furious or consumed by the dark, let me tell you, you don't really believe what the word has said here, that the true light is actually shining and the darkness is really passing away. And if that's the case for you, you need to repent of that and believe what God has said about the light. Look, we are not naive. We know that darkness is pervasive and pressing and powerful even but the darkness is also passing away. It is. No matter how big it seems, it is passing away, not because of anything that we have done, but because the true light is already shining. Jesus has come, and the light of his, his spirit is still among us, which means that the sun is not slowly setting into darkness. It is rising to shine. Light dispels darkness. It does. Let's look at then the second point of light. Light doesn't just cause dark to pass away. Light exposes darkness. We see one expression of it in verse 9. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Which means that no matter what a person might say, the light can always correct it. And the light never lies. Light tells the truth. Light shows the substance. Light reveals the real. When anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible, which means that the closer we get to light, the more we can see 
but also the more we can be seen. The more we can see, also the more we can be seen. Now because of this, light for many people does not always feel like a welcome thing. It sometimes feels like a very threatening thing. So, if you ever have a child that you suspect has not brushed their teeth, not a true story, okay, this is a hypothetical. If you ever have a child that you say, have you brushed your teeth? And they say yes, but you have reason to believe that may not actually be the case. You might say, come here and open your mouth. And in the light of that small open mouth, you can see the remaining bits of chicken nugget still stuck in there. And they're caught. That's not uncommon. Many people are afraid to show the truth that is in their mouths. And so as a result of this, we keep our jaws clamped tightly shut to try to mask our chicken nugget breath from other people and from God And that causes us to avoid the light so that we will not be exposed. We know that the heart, the center of the Christian faith is really good news. It is. The center of our faith is a truly lovely thing to know that God really does love us, really does, in spite of all of our sin. And out of that love, Jesus has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Jesus sees our sin, knows our sin, can smell that chicken nugget breath, and yet loved us so much that he died for our sin in our place. It's a lovely thing. It's at the heart of what we believe. We even hear it in some of the most famous verses. You know, John 3.16. I'm turning to it, but we could all probably cite it off the top of our heads. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's good. You know, when we hear that, and some of us may think, gosh, that's really good stuff. It's good news about a good God, so why don't more people believe this? You know, why aren't they just beckoned to it in droves? You know, even if some people aren't convinced about the truth of Jesus or have some hang-ups about the church, they should at least want Jesus to be true, at least want the gospel to be true, and yet many don't. We not only don't, but some don't believe, they don't want to believe because they hate the light. Not just don't care about it, actively hate it. 
And the reason for this, if we were to keep reading in John, past John 3.16, we'd hear these words very soon. Verse 19, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come to the light lest his works should be exposed. To be exposed is not a fun thing. And so many people would rather be in the dark than in the light because the dark feels safe. And it leads many people to, to even wear darkness, like a cloak or a mask. That's what Jesus is pushing against. Because Jesus is light, because Jesus is light, he loves us, but he also exposes us for who we are. That our whole selves, including our sin, is laid out before him. And we cannot know the love of Jesus without being exposed by the light of Jesus. You know, it's truly sad that many people cannot seem to let the darkness go. Many would rather die in the cover of darkness than live exposed in the light. And as a result, those people cut themselves off from God and even end up hating God. The people in the Gospels who come to love God, who come to trust and follow Jesus, the ones who were closest to him, these were not people who thought they were good or worthy or powerful. The ones who came to Jesus were the people who were most open about their need for Jesus. Bodily and in their spirit. People who come to Jesus got nothing to lose and everything to gain. They are willing to give it all up if they can just have Jesus. And so for those people, the light isn't a source of fear, maybe a little, but on the side, it's mainly a source of hope. That's true for every Christian. The light is hope for us. We are not just people who believe in Jesus. We are not just people who love Jesus. We are people who really, desperately, truly need Jesus. Our sin cuts us so deep that it will strangle us unless Christ will save, it, save us from it. So we want to be a people who embrace being exposed by the light of Jesus so that he can do his work in us and the darkness can begin to pass away. That's the second, that the light exposes darkness. We're now on our final stretch. Third point of light. Light 
produces love. Verse 10. Light light produces love. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Now, when I read that in preparation this week, it, it kicked against me in some ways because my automatic assumption about light is that light is something that mainly produces truth. And there's something to that. Light, clearly, throughout the scripture, is a thing that, that reveals. It, 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 un, it uncovers knowledge. It gives us understanding. Light is often about seeing. But here, we're told that the person who abides in the light is not someone who speaks the truth to his brother. It's the person who loves his brother. That's how we know if a person's in in the light. If they love their brother, this is the new commandment that John's referencing from Jesus, that you're to love one another as I have loved you. That's how people are going to know that you're disciples of Jesus, if if you love each other. Now, to be clear, this isn't pitting truth against love. Right? Both, both of those things are good. Light produces both truth and love. But sometimes we put truth before love. And that's backward. If we put truth before love, that's going to produce... Uh, things like how other people come to despise Christians and think we're just jerks. I mean, there's good reasons to hate Christians, but that should not be one. That's, that's uh, putting truth before love is what causes people to march in droves in these big culture wars with, with guns ablazing because we think we've got truth on our side and so that gives us all the reasons to shout loud and long about whatever it is that we're upset about. But that's just not the pattern that Jesus gives us. If we're to walk in the light as he is in the light, We have to start with love for our brother. The sort of love that Jesus loved with. And that doesn't mean we're just going to sit smiling. We avoid all conflict at, at all costs. But it does mean we replace things like grudges with grace. Replace things like stubbornness with sacrifice. Replace harsh judgments with generosity and replace darkness with light. The love of Jesus will keep us from stumbling in the dark as his love is shared and and multiplied among us. You know, we get to catch a glimpse of that every Christmas time. If you've ever come to our candlelight Christmas service, it's one of my favorite things that we do every year. You know, we gather together and sing Silent Night at the end, and everyone pours out into the aisle here, and we all stand there with a candle that's not lit. And then all of the light comes from the single candle in the middle, the Christ candle, and we begin to share that light one to another, each to the next person, passing it on as we sing, 
until the whole room just glows and the darkness passes away. When that happens, there's good for us. You know, we can see, (laughs) not just from the light that's in my own hand, but also from the light of my brother on my right and on my left. But it's more than just good for me. The light of Christ then shines in a way that magnifies God. And we can catch a glimpse of the light of God in it. Pray with me. Lord, you are the true and only God who has said, let light shine out of darkness. You have called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Would you expose us with your goodness? Help us to look to the light of the world And Lord, by your spirit, would you dwell in us so that we are the light in the world as well. Help us to follow your new command to love that we would shine as you shine. We ask this grace in Jesus' name. Amen.